Hey everybody, what's up? It's Chase. Welcome to another episode of the Chase Jarvis Live Show here on Creative Live. You know the show where I sit down with amazing humans and I unpack their brains with the goal of helping you live your dreams and career, hobby, and life. And our incredible guest today is Mr. Stevie Van Zant. You are familiar with Stevie because you're familiar with Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Well, Stevie is a member of the E Street Band. He's been inducted into the Music Hall of Fame. He's also an author of a new book called unrequited infatuations. He chronicles trading his Baptist faith for a life of rock and roll, uh, creative risk-taking, and principled rebellion. Of course, we talk about the book, but so much more in the huge life that is Stevie Van Sant. You're going to enjoy this conversation. Creativity, entrepreneurship, going against the tide, trusting your gut. It's all in this episode and more. I'll get out of the way and enjoy this conversation with Mr. Stevie Van Sant. One of the most powerful messages that you can hear are the three words, it is possible. Whatever your thing is, whether it's it's music, fine art, filmmaking, building a business, nonprofit work, you can build a living and more importantly, a life around that thing. Now, one of the most often overlooked aspects of success here, not to mention a well-lived life, is acquiring those skills. That's why more than 10 years ago, I founded creativelive.com. This is the world's largest and best platform for creative and entrepreneurial education, bar none. That's the reason that I'm you know, on my soapbox right now is because I believe so deeply in it. This is where, again, tens of millions of people have already learned how to take action and affect their life for the better. Again, to pursue their passions, to create a living and a life in an area that they would love to spend their time. In addition to classes around photography, video, art, design, music, audio, there's also things like health and wellness, mindfulness, meditation. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you're aware that I used to encourage you to buy a class to try and transform one aspect of your life. And that was like 99 or 149 bucks, say. Now we've moved Creative Live to subscription first. So you can get access to more than 2,000 classes for roughly the same price of a single class just a year or two ago. An annual subscription is now just $149. That's right, that's a whole year. What is that, like 13 bucks for access to thousands of hours of super high-end learning content, all for one simple price. You can play annually or you can pay monthly, whatever works for you. Where do you do that? Go to creativelive.com slash creator pass. All right, that about wraps it up. Now let's get back to the show. Stevie, thank you so much for being on the show. Welcome. Good to see you, man. Appreciate the uh, the work you put in to letting us behind the scenes on your life. Congrats on the new book. And uh, to that end, I have many questions, my friend, after, after knowing a little bit more about you. Obviously, I was aware of your work for a decade or more. Um, but first of all, why a book? You've been on stages all around the world for your entire life, virtually. And what made you want to write a book and, and get it on paper? Um, I think it was partially the, the circumstance. You know, uh, to be honest, if, if it wasn't for the quarantine, I, I don't think it would have happened. You know, um, <laughs> and, and and it really, you know, it, it, it was because of the previous three years. You know, two thousand seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. When I had the three most productive years of my life, I, you know, I put out like six album packages in, in three years and um, reconnected with my life's work, which I'd kind of 
abandoned for 30 years, <laughs> a mere 30 years. Um, so it was just kind of a circumstantial situation. And, um, you know, I, I had these, I, these, these new managers. I've never had a manager, uh, as I as I talk about in the book. Uh, it was why I got into so much trouble. Um, <laughs> and, the new, and the new manager suggested, you know, why don't you write a book? And um, I thought, you know, uh, maybe at this point I actually uh, I could do something that could be useful. You know, uh, my own uh, narrative is uh, whatever. That's the that's the the least interesting you know part of my of the book. I think um, what, what's interesting and I think what could be interesting is is the the things I've seen. You know, the places I've been and and um, sharing a bit of the the things I've, I've picked up along the way. You know, because I, I wanted the book to be useful. You know, not just some story of some music guy, you know. I didn't really, uh, you know, I didn't want it to be just for musicians or um, something only music people could could enjoy, you know. I wanted it to be more universal than that. And, uh, you know, I wanted it to read like a like a detective novel, like you don't know what's coming next, you know, because that, that's my life, man. I, I never know what's coming next. And, uh, you know, eventually, you well, know, Whatever. You you made it happen. You made it happen because it's a page turner. And let's depart from the book for a second. And you mentioned, you know, something that I think is relevant. And it does it does you know it's it's a thread throughout the book. But your engagement as an artist, you just shared that you know early in a career with the E Street Band, playing with Bruce Springsteen, and then there was a what'd you say, just 30 years? You just walked away from your life's work for 30 years and, and now you're back. For There's so many people listening and watching who have either done that, you know, as a betrayal of themselves, you know, just walked away from their true self to go do what the world wants them to be or become, or real life circumstances, um, you know, things that are outside of our control have sometimes taken us away from that. I want to hear your experience. Why did you do that? Why did you have this departure from, as you said, I think your your true calling, your true self? I don't remember the exact word that you used, but it's it's fascinating. Yeah. No, that's a big question. You know, that's uh, we could fill up our entire <laughs> interview with just that question. In fact, that's what really the book is really kind of about um, answering that question. Um, let's see, how can I do this? And give you the short, shorter, shorter version here. Uh, basically. Um, I outlined five albums uh, when I, you know, embarked on this so-called solo career in the '80s, and I'm and I'm a very, very uh, all my records are very conceptual and 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 um, uh, thematic, and uh, uh, I laid out exactly. I outlined the five albums before I even wrote them. Um, wow! And um, yeah, it was very, very. Uh, systematic about the whole thing and 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 i and along the way i discovered a whole side of my brain i didn't know existed which was uh, quite analytical you know uh, i spent most of my life in complete chaos so it was it was, it was a surprise you know to, to find when it came to politics i actually could look at very complex situations and and and, and find a solution um you know analyze them and, and uh of course Executing the solution, of course, is another is another matter entirely. But I could, I could look at any 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 political situation in the world, and with a bit of research, I could tell you exactly what needs to be done to solve it. You know, 
which was a big surprise. With South Africa, me. South Africa, for example, is that one of the yes. things you're talking about? Yeah, and that that'll forever be the one example where um, it was conceived and executed um, beyond you know even what you could write up, you know what you could imagine. It was it, it worked exactly like we hoped it would. Um, you know, knowing that the you know the sports boycott could lead to the cultural boycott, which is where we came in, which would then bridge to the economic boycott, which would bring the government down, you know, and, and that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, it was just one of those rare moments in, in worldwide liberation politics where everything just worked according to the plan, you know, you'll, you'll never see that again. Um, but, you know, there's a hundred other examples where, you know, you kind of, I mean, the idea was just to write about these things. You know, I didn't in, intend to become engaged in them. You know, when I, when I started, it was just, uh, you know, I was just sort of going out there as an artist slash journalist, you know, and then all of a sudden it became artist slash journalist slash activist, you know, which I, I really hadn't, hadn't planned on. But, you know, you just, you just become emotionally engaged in these things when you're writing about them sometimes. Um, Anyway, so I did those five albums, um, and this is where the sort of unrequited infatuations <laughs> comes in. Uh, I did not achieve any particular uh, success um, uh, economically, you know, commercially. Um, artistically, uh, I was very, very happy with them all, and there's very little I would change artistically in my entire life. I've been very, very happy with that, which is, you know, obviously that was my priority and I did that right. But, you know, when you're when you're creating content of any kind, um, it, there's two sides to to all content. You know, um, it, there's the creation of the content and there's the marketing of that content. And, and um, it's not really two different things. It's two sides of the same thing. And I never had that partner to market my content you know that i mean that was my yeah. biggest my biggest sort of flaw you know so 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 you never got a chance to really see you know um what was working what wasn't working and in the end um i did the five albums i outlined i i learned what i wanted to learn i i uh i said what i wanted to say about those things you know about, about who's controlling our destiny and, and, and why and how and, and, and our place in the world. And, and, and those, some of those big questions were answered in those five albums. And then I just kind of went out into the desert for seven years um, through a bunch of uh, circumstances, you know, that I talk about having to do with, oddly enough, the success of, of Sun City and the South African issue actually got me, uh, you know, I don't want to be overly dramatic about it, but it was, um, kind of blackballed from the business because uh, I'm starting to become a little bit too successful politically, and and you know, and I know that sounds ridiculous now. No, it's just own it, you know, it own it. I think it's it sounds, yeah, but, yeah, it sounds you know, right but, on time. Yeah, because at the time, you know, you could feed people in Africa, you know, but you start bringing down governments and people like they're like, you know, are we next or, or what, you know? Uh, and so I, I had four uh, different uh, record companies um, negotiating for a new deal when Sun City came out. And when it was a huge success and we actually uh, 
overrode Reagan's veto and, you know, all the impossible things that we, were, that we had to do, got Mandela out of jail and everything else. Um, and then suddenly those four record companies disappeared uh, and did not want to, you know, stop negotiating, you know. So I, I thought, well, you know, I blew that career. I blew that. That's the second career I've blown, <laughs> you know. So I right, took two careers down. You know, what else can we do? And uh, I just kind of walked my dog for seven years until David Chase called and said, hey, you want to be an actor? And I was like, yeah, sure, well, why not? <laughs> you know, I, I literally have nothing better to do, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and I embarked upon a third career, which I probably have blown by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you're referring to, in case people don't know, is your role as Silvio in The Sopranos. Now, you've talked about just... I want to deconstruct some of what you said. You you walked away from a career, you 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 gave it up or blew it up or however you want to talk about with the the uh, the E Street bin. Then your solo career that uh, resulted in what we just spoke about the um, contributing to the transition in South Africa. And most people don't have one of those, let alone two of those experiences. And you talked about walking your dog and essentially stumbling into a third. Now, you know, what is the saying? Once lucky, twice, I don't know what, there's probably some great uh, saying there, but clearly, clearly you have talent. You have this je ne sais quoi, and it's well articulated in the book. I threw stories rather than overtly stated, but in your own words here on camera, how, if you're, you know, so good at blowing things up, how or why do things keep appearing for you? Because right now there's someone listening who walked away from their job and is terrified about the financial consequences they may be in, but they couldn't stomach their boss or that line of work for one more minute. And so if, if you're speaking to that person right now, how have you stumbled into you know, legendary career, one legendary career arc after another? Oh, man, these are some good questions. Um, <laughs> I'm a professional, Stevie. <laughs> big one. Yes, yes. You should do this for a living. Um, I really uh, I'm trying I'm trying to uh, separate, you know, the artist part of this from the more from the more universal, uh, you know, question. Um I think one thing that is universal, which I talk about in the book very clearly, is uh, don't ever, you know, don't ever leave your power base uh, uh, until you have another. You know, that's that's one thing I think that everybody could could uh, sort of, uh, you know, try and try and uh, remember or, or try and deal with if possible. Um, sometimes you got to go. You know, you got to, you know, like you say, you. You hate your job. You hate your boss. You, you hate you, you hate it so much that you're not having any quality of life. Um, and in that case, I would wonder why you got into that situation in the first place. Um, but in, in my case, um, you see, I wasn't I wasn't um, I wasn't entirely like un unhappy. Uh, it, uh, it was just a, compel a, a compulsion to to do other things, and. Um, and I wasn't I wasn't thinking clearly enough to um, to take my own advice and, and, and many other people's advice at the time. I mean, saying, you know, 
you cannot leave the E Street Band. I mean, you've, you've been working for 15 years, you know, to make it in rock and roll. You just made it, okay, last year, <laughs> and you're leaving, you know. I mean, it was, uh, you know, quite a crazy thing to do. Um, so, I mean, from that, I, you know, I learned, uh, you know, don't, don't ever jump off the ship until you have another boat waiting, you know, uh, which I think everybody, you know, could maybe <laughs> learn from that. Um, um, so, but what was it? Was there something special about you, you that made it so people wanted to call you? Like you don't just get a phone call I, yeah. from someone and doing a, a legendary TV series. I mean, was it well, the circle of friends you had? Was it the vibe you put out? Did you have a always a, had a desire to act and the right people in the right place knew that you had this dream? Or was it literally none of those things and just the universe looking out for you? I think a little bit of the latter because I didn't have any intention to be an actor. I had no interest whatsoever. Uh, so that came out of the blue entirely. I think it starts off with a bit of... Um, inner security i think i you know i think i've kind of uh i've kind of had an inner security right from the beginning uh i mean you know again we could talk about this all day long but that probably comes from uh, you know the love you get as a kid you know or, or some one of those things you know where, where you know mm-hmm. um some people just grow up insecure and some people grow up feeling you know pretty secure i i, I never yeah the one reason why I, I, I didn't really have the ambition to be a front man, um, I think you, you, need, you need to be a front man, you know, in order to be a good front man. You know, uh, you, you, have, you, have, you have to need that spotlight. You have to, you know, there's a need in you to get that, that attention and get that... Uh, uh, um, uh, the spotlight, uh, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean, and get 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 the uh, the 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 adulation, and, and, and get that you know, uh, what's the word? You know, uh, that that pat on the back. You know that that uh, you know. Um, I never really. I've always been more secure than than that. You know, and, and I think I probably communicate that. I guess. I guess. Um, you know, and I, and I do a good job. You know what I mean? I'm I'm a, I'm a good. I'm not only a good leader because you know I've been a boss of my own world before I met Bruce and, and certainly after, but I, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, multiple personality in that way, which is unusual where you, I can be a good, I, I'm a good boss and I'm also a good soldier, you know, mm-hmm. and I do you know, and I tend to do a good job, uh, you know, so, so people, I think, I think people recognize that, you know, I, I I've never had any criticism of, uh, of my work, you know what I mean? Uh, well, let me, let me bit- interrupt there for a second. Be- no, I think that's, there's something interesting in there. You've, you've, you've had this, you know, multifaceted, you talked about leadership. You're either sort of a soldier or a leader, as you mentioned. And I'm wondering if, if maybe David Chase, when he called you up to be in the Sopranos, there is a world in which your role as Silvio, uh, as the right-hand man to, to Tony Soprano, looked a lot like the role and the relationship that you had with Bruce Springsteen. You talk about not needing that position, that adulation, the pat on the back, because you were always secure in your own, whether through upbringing or something else. Is that, was that parallel intentional? Was that something that was made known to you by David Chase or, you know, it's just again, dumb luck. Yeah. We, we kind of, um, 
it was funny because it didn't exactly start off that way because originally he, he wanted me to play Tony Soprano. Um, so wow, I did not. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, um, you know, and then, uh, you know, I, I go into more detail, obviously, but, but basically, um, at some point, HBO wouldn't let him cast me as Tony Soprano because they got brains. Uh, and, 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 uh, and so he said, you know, what else do you want to do? And I was like, well, uh, you know, now that I think about this, uh, you know, it was kind of, a, it was kind of happening very, very quickly. Uh, um, I said, you know, now that I think about it, I really uh, feel a little weird about taking an actor's job. I really don't want to do that. So I'm just going to go back to my, you know, walking the dog. And, uh, uh, and he was like, no, no, I, I really want you in the show. Uh, I will write you in a part that doesn't exist. Okay, so you're not going to take anybody's job, you know? I was like, wow, mm. okay. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, so, so what do you want to do? So I said, well, I, I have some treatments. You know, I, I, never had, I never had thought about acting, but I did think about writing and, and maybe directing. Uh, you know, I've always, I've always been a fan of, you know, movies and, and you know, whatever. And I, I said, I, I, I got a treatment about this um, independent hitman named Silvio Dante that uh, uh, runs a club, and he kind of lives in the past. You know, it's, it's it's set in modern day, but it's he's it's kind of he's living in the past. So it's like a, uh, you know, like a Copacabana type of club, and uh, and you know, big bands and and Catskills comics, you know, and uh, and, and uh, dancing girls and. and uh, and you know, and all the five families have tables in the, in the club, you know, and, and the you know police commissioner and the mayor, and you know, it's, it's kind of like a, uh, a a a mob version of Casablanca, you know, kind of. Uh, and uh, he said, "Well, that, that's interesting. Uh, let me think about it." And, and he came back uh, a couple of days later and said, "Now nah, we, we we can't afford it, uh, but we'll make it a strip club, and and you'll and you'll and you'll run it for the family, you know, and." Um, and we'll use the back room as, you know, as the office, you know. So uh, it kind of went there. And then, um, you know, I, I kind of wrote a whole biography about this character for myself, you know, that, they, that he had grown up with Tony and they were best friends. And really, you know, uh, I was the only one on the show who did not want to be the boss. You know, I liked being the behind the scenes guy. So I kind of like started planting those seeds um and and then by the middle of the, like the first season uh i had kind of become the underboss and consigliere which which did in fact reflect a lot of my life with bruce springsteen and, and i was able to uh, very easily understand those dynamics that happen um when you're the you know when you're the guy that most the most trustworthy guy of, of the boss you're the guy who has to bring the bad news occasionally. Uh, you're the guy who, uh, um, you know, uh, the only guy who's not afraid of him, you know? Uh, so I, I really did uh, understand, you know, and that really helped me. Um, you know, I clicked right would into it, that, you know. Yeah, would it be putting words in your mouth if, if indirectly, just through your suggestions, it seems like, you know, with David Chase, that you you almost, again, you said, ah, I only want to do it kind of if it looks like this, or I don't want to take an actor's job, but he said, okay, hey, I'll write you a part. You're like, okay, I like this. I get this guy. And in a way you were putting that out into the universe. 
So is that is that fair to say? And then the universe again provided for you, and where you're dropping seeds and hints, and this is who you had experience with this, right? This is this is your authentic experience. You're not trying to play somebody on TV. Well, is that that's fair right. To say, or am I reaching? Yeah, yeah, no, well, no, no. I mean, in the end, it, it did reflect my real life just just mm-hmm. you know but it didn't start off that way it kind of it kind of developed that way you know mm-hmm. and in the end it wasn't the universe it was david chase you know it was his <laughs> this, this guy is you know he's a really really brilliant guy and uh yeah i mean you know you could you could tell i mean just just from the casting alone uh he you know he's he's seeing things that people are, don't usually see um uh, everybody passed on the show because he insisted on filming in new jersey you know, uh, you know, so he had a he had a real specific vision about this thing. And, and, and each character, you know, no matter what I, I I was just making suggestions, mostly for my own benefit. In the end, you know, he's the one who made all the decisions and, and, and took the character to those special, more important places. You know what I mean? That was all him. So um, fair enough. But I can't you know ignore I mean? the fact that you're planting those seeds. Well, well, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think I think, you know, your life experience, you know, at that point, you know, in, in my life, you know, I mean, I've been around, you know, by then, you know, this is a this is a midlife, midlife, new career, new craft to learn, you know. And so, you know, the later I think the later you have success, the more the more the better you are at it and, 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 and the more you can enjoy it. And, 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 and the later you get a, you know, in this case, uh, the craft of acting, you know, I think has a lot to do with your life experience, you know, so I've had, I had a lot of life experience by then, you know, by the time I started acting, so I could use that, I could use the previous, yeah. whatever it was uh, by then, what is this, 96, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, 40, 45 years of, of being on the planet, you know. Uh, <laughs> You learn a few things. You pick up a few things along the way. You can't help it, you know. But, uh, well, let's talk. Are. Let's let's no. Let's talk about some of those things you picked up along the way. So, and I could be wrong, but uh, I understood you were uh, you came from the Baptist world to rock musicianship. That is a very non-expected path, and I'm wondering if you can help us understand. You know, there are people right now, again, who feel trapped in whatever they're doing. And one might have been able to say that, you know, being in the Baptist church was very different than being on stage in front of 100,000 people in a stadium. So how was was it a revolution for you? Was it a, you know, somehow did you see it as natural? Not many people make that jump. And I'm wondering how you did. Well, keep in mind now, I was born a Catholic, you know, and and the Catholic uh, ch- church and Catholic religion is where all the showbiz is. Okay, that's that's the, that's the show business religion. <laughs> you know, that that's where the action is, man. You know, uh, you know, and I ended up studying all the religions just just for fun, uh, and, and you know, uh, you know, most of the entertainers, you know, who end up you know, in the entertainment business, you know, may, may be Jewish, you know, <laughs> and, and, and thankfully so. But the action inside the church is really in the Catholic world, man. They, you know, they got the rituals, they got the pomp and circumstance, 
they got the scandals, they got the the, the drama, you know, and uh, I, you know, I, and I, you know, so I think I had, so I had that for the first few years of my life, you know, before uh, uh, my mother remarried and uh, and uh, changed teams, uh, to, you know, to, to the Baptist <laughs> uh, Protestant world. Um, and then, you know, so I, I had a, an inclination towards uh, some kind of metaphysical, uh, you know, some kind of, uh, um, uh, you know, some kind of compulsion to to um, to want to belong to something. I think that's kind of natural for everybody, uh, but also to um, get the inside story. You know, I always wanted, I wanted, I wanted to be on the inside. You know. Uh, you know, I, I, even at a young, young age, I could see that there were two kinds of people in the world, you know, <laughs> the, the kind the ones that are, you know, the, the guys in the know, you know, the guys, in, you know, who are, who are making the decisions and then the guys who were following those decisions, you know, I mean, I could just, I could just sense that very, very early. Uh, and, and so I thought the inside, the guys was inside the religion. You know, I thought that's where the that's where the answers were coming from. You know, that's where the action was. You know, and so uh, at first I was, you know, I I, uh, I was very religious as a kid, and then um, and then that 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 complete that 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 passion and and uh, all, all everything that I, I was relating to in terms of religion um, got got switched over to to rock and roll when I discovered rock and roll, and and uh, like I said, I I became a you know, rock and roll pagan or whatever, <laughs> and uh, and, and um, have been ever since. Really, you know, uh, I got was that I got, a light switch? Was that just a light switch for you? Uh, it or, wasn't or a was that a process. I talk, no, I, I talk about you know, there was like three, at least three epiphanies that got me there. Uh, uh, one just happened. Uh, one of those real spiritual, religious type epiphanies that you read about, like in the Bible or something, when I was listening to a record called Pretty Little Angel Eyes uh, by Curtis Lee, I just had this feeling of ecstasy come over me, uh, um, completely unexplainable. And, uh, you know, I listened to a lot of records by then. Uh, for some reason, that record, I, I just had this uh, ecstatic feeling come over me. That was the first epiphany. And then, uh, you know, seeing the Beatles uh, was the second and, and seeing the Rolling Stones was the third. So by the, by the third epiphany, I was all in, you know. I was like, uh, uh, what people say they get from religion and what I used to get from religion, I'm now getting from rock and roll. I'm getting that kind of uh, emotional connection uh, um, that's, that's just... Uh, uh, exciting my senses all the time and, and I want to do it 24 seven, you know? Yeah. I'm, I want to, that makes me ask a question about your creative process, right? Clearly storytelling is an aspect of it. Right. And that, I think that's part of what made you know, Springsteen successful is the ability to tell stories through songs. You, you know, we've talked about, you know, your role in South Africa this idea of the life experience that you had had enabled you to pick up acting at a very, you know, high level very quickly with the Sopranos you know, is, 
is that key to your creative process or how, how do you, what's, you know, Stevie, what's your process for making an album, making a song, um, writing the book? Yeah. Well, it, are we, you we, a you know, schedule it out? You talked about your life being chaos. Are you scheduling it out every morning at 9am? I'm going to wake up and write for two hours and uh, I'm going to practice and then uh, I'm going to, or is it something very different? Uh, yeah, very different than that. Um, uh, I, I wish I was more regimented like that. Um, uh, first of all, the, the, the rock art form is a storytelling art form, you know? Uh, and I guess, uh, I guess most of the arts in some ways uh, is a storytelling art, really, if you think about it. You know, even a painting, you know, tells a story, doesn't it? So, I mean, I I think I think all of the arts are probably storytelling arts (laughs) now that I I think about it. Um, And that and that came specifically in my in our case, in the in the in the rock music case, uh, pretty much from from Chuck Berry. He 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 set the uh, standards for storytelling and. Uh, institutionalized this new species of human being called the teenager, which I talk about uh, in the book. Uh, and uh, and it went from there. And then Bob Dylan took it to the next level of, of um, more personal expression and uh, engaging social and political uh, subject matter. Um, by the time I started my own, you know, and again, I, I, I started off... Uh, you know, as an arranger and a producer, and and, and I started writing for for other people, uh, specifically Southside Johnny and the Asbury Jukes. And so then by the time I became an artist myself, um, I had uh, particular ideas about how to do that. Uh, I always loved the idea of concept albums. I, I've always gotten more out of, again, the story, the storytelling taken uh, to its maximum uh, effectiveness, not just in one yeah. song, but in 10 or 12, you know, uh, the ultimate example uh, will always be Tommy uh, uh, by the who, although he, he kind of did it again with Quadrophenia, uh, not quite as uh, specifically, uh, the story wasn't quite as uh, quite as coherent, you know, in Quadrophenia, yeah. but, but, uh, but, you know, Tommy to me is the ultimate example of it. I, and I, I mentioned that, uh, prof- you know, uh, anyway, um, um, so so um, uh, it all came from um, for me. It, it started really with the Sergeant Pepper Lonely Hearts Club Band, which um, isn't uh, isn't a uh, a literal concept uh, as Tommy uh, is, uh, but but it, and yet it, it was a, a very conceptual record. Uh, if you look at the lyrics, you know the lyrics are all talking about the past. They're all very consistent, even going back to the single that came out before the album, which was Strawberry Fields and, and uh, Penny Lane. You know, they were talking about um, their youth and their past. And a lot of it is uh, surprisingly uh, harsh and, and negative, in fact, um, against this extremely new sounding music, uh, which, which um, you know, maybe you had to be there at the time. But uh, it, it, it felt like a, a brand new idea, a brand new concept, uh, the way that the music just flowed in, into each other and, and the, the sounds were different. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, and it was the most, uh, it was the biggest um, 
mass shared experience, I think, in, in Western culture, uh, may, you know, in, maybe ever. Um, I was literally, you could walk down the street that first week in June, 1967, and it was coming from every single door that you passed. Restaurants and, and head shops and clothing stores and cars going by. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just like, it, it was this amazing moment in, in cultural history, uh, you know, um, you know, and, and people look back on it now and it's all kinds of historical revisionism, you know, saying, well, well, Revolver was better, you know, or more, you know, more innovative and, you know, other Beatle albums, you know, uh, you know, and, and, and all that stuff may be true song by song or inno innovation by innovation, you know, Revolver was quite remarkable, uh, but, but, but it wasn't the same as, as the Sgt. Pepper album. And, and partially because it started off very much as a concept uh, from Paul McCartney's uh, mind that they're going to pretend to be a different band, you know, uh, and that, and, and I think that is quite liberating. And something that I didn't use until my very last record I just did, Summer of Sorcery, which is the first record I've ever done that wasn't not, not only not wasn't political, but wasn't autobiographical. Uh, the first time I, I ever made a record that was just completely fictional, uh, and really, really, uh, it was very. I found it very liberating, uh, as as I think they did, on uh, Sgt. Pepper. Um, you know, just to like, create 10 different characters, whatever, how many, however many songs, you know, and, and be those 10 different characters in, in those 10 different little movies, you know. Um, so I, you know, I continued to have conceptual records, but my last one was quite different than, than the first five in the 80s, um, you know, which were very, very thematic. I would, uh, I would, I decided to divide the album, albums out into five different subjects. Uh, the individual, the family, the state, uh, economics, and religion, and then had sub themes under those, and that's how I that's how I began, and I when I and I figured out the sub themes, I then uh, started coming up with titles of songs, uh, and and then I would write the songs, uh, so I had I had the whole thing very very planned out before I did it. Um, and that's just how I like to do things. I like to, I like to, I like to write with purpose, you know, and, and I, I like to live with purpose. Uh, and, uh, and I, you know, that's what I suggest when I do these master classes for, for writing, you know, whether it's writing or whether it's producing or whatever, whatever the class may be. I, I always suggest, you know, decide what you want to decide, what you want to say, decide who you're talking to, who, who are you talking to? Um, what do you, what do you want to say with, with song? You, know, you want to make people cry or make them laugh. You want to confess something. You want to, you know, uh, you want to get laid. You know, what, what do you want to do? You want to get rich? <laughs> you know, what, you want to, you want to hit single? What do you, what do you, what, you know, what do you, what, what are you doing this for? You know? Uh, well, I think and, this and, is, you know, this is fascinating to me because so many other artists are, are like, I'm just going to look inside, man. And whatever comes out, that's what comes out. And, this structure, uh, I'll just share my own personal example with uh, my book. I was looking at thousands of pieces of paper and just like notes scribbled everywhere and journals and it's like, okay, this could be a million different things. What is it that I want to say? I need, I need an arc. I need a narrative. I need a goal, a target, a plan. And do you think that this is, uh, it sounds very much the, the way that you're thinking, but is there a right way to do it or is that just right 
for you? Well, uh, yeah, that's, you know, when it comes to this, this kind of stuff, there's really no rules, let's face it. But, 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 you know, there's, there's suggested, there's suggested uh, behavior. There's, 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 yeah. Okay. That's good. Yeah. As far as, you know, if you're worried about efficiency, you know, uh, you know, if you're worried about, you know, maximizing your potential, then there, you know, there's some things that, that, you know, you can follow that'll help that. Uh, you know, I mean, for me, it's always been a time thing. I, the one thing I hate the most in this world is wasting my time. So I don't want to waste my time waiting for the muse to speak to me. You know, I don't waste my time waiting for lawyers to finish the goddamn contracts. You know what I mean? I don't, I, I don't have time. All right. I had ADD long before it was fashionable. You know, I mean, I just, I just, I, you know, I don't have time, you know, um, the, the, watch these lawyers, you know, take forever for these deals or that's why, you know, I end up spending my own money. Usually, you know, I don't want to wait, you know, and, and it's the same thing with, with artistic stuff, you know, um, I can't wait around, you know, for some, for some, uh, mystical muse to speak to me. Uh, you know, is there, gotta, is there something around, is there something about time? Like, are you afraid of death? Is it, you want to put all this every, you want to, you know, live hard and, you know, maximize your potential on this planet. What is it, the relationship of not wanting to wait around? I, I think, I think it's just from, from, uh, from being so slow, uh, you know, um, very, I was very, very slow kid, uh, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, uh, fully embrace, uh, being an artist, uh, until I was, uh, in, in my forties. Right. Uh, is that right? No, thirties, I guess it would have been in the eighties. Yeah. You know, in my thirties, 30, which is, which is late, you know? Um, so, so I, you know, I didn't, I didn't even begin to embrace being an artist, uh, until in, in my thirties. And, uh, and I just felt like I'm catching up, you know, trying to catch up ever since, you know, trying to, trying to, again, you know, you, you go through life. What, what are you trying, what, what are you trying to do? You're trying to realize your potential that, you know, you, you know, you're here for, so you, you might as well, you might as well get the most out of it, you know, and then along the way, if you can maybe improve uh, what's going on a little bit, I think that's also uh, something that's uh, certainly artists, I think need to ask themselves every so often, you know, how can I be useful? You know, and I, and I think that, that that's where you get connected to the social problems or political problems or, or whatever it might be, you know, maybe just helping somebody make it through the day, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I mean, you can, you can be, you can be useful. And I think, I think you should be useful. You know, I, I think that, you know, it's one of them things, a question that I think you need to ask yourself quite, quite regularly. That's very powerful. One of, what, what are some of the reasons that you didn't identify as an artist until you were in your 30s? I think it was that, that, that lack of really wanting to be in the spotlight, want, wanting to be up front. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a fear of, um, it wasn't really out of fear of, of, of the spotlight. I mean, I, I, I led my own band, you know, uh, in, in the mid-60s. You know, I was the leader of my own band. You know, and I and I liked it, and I was good at it. You know, and and, and when I started my solo career and had to become a front man uh, in the eighties, I, I I got quite good at it. I, you know, I was quite a good front man. But I but I never really had that uh, inclination. I never had that need. 
to be to be that front guy and to be in the spotlight. I just didn't. Uh, you know, um, I like I like I like being in you know a little bit off to the side, a little bit in the back. You know, let that guy take the lightning. You know, let let let, let, let the, <laughs> the other guy. You know, can get all the self. You know, yeah, you know, looking out, I mean? looking out for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I'm, but is this yeah, so? You know, I, mean, I, I only had one. I had one one little moment of it. I'll tell you the truth. You know, on my third album, I had two hit singles in Italy. Uh, on the Freedom No Compromise album, you know, and and my wife came over to Rome, you know, to check, you know, just to hang out and, and do a little shopping, whatever, and we couldn't walk down the street. Okay, I mean, kids would come out of out of the out of nowhere, hundreds of kids, uh, you know, uh, on autograph and pictures, and and you know, and it was my it was that one moment of really experiencing what it's like to be a star, you know, a real celebrity, you know. And I got to tell you the truth. I didn't like it. I did not like it. I was like, you know, this is nice. It's wonderful. You know, you want you want everybody to like you, like your work and, and, and you know, but I, I didn't like it. I, I want to be able to go to a cafe and observe or, or write. You know, I used to love to write. I wrote like two albums in, in, in cafes in, in Paris, you know, just sitting outside writing, you know, or observing or just enjoying life. You know, uh, I don't want to, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be stared at or, or asked about pictures and autographs and, and mobbed and, you know, and you can't, you can't walk down the street. I, I didn't like it. I got to tell you the truth, you know? And I was like, man, it's, it's hard to find that middle ground because you're either, you know, you're either a superstar these days or you're nothing. You know what I mean? That's just how life has gotten in, in, in the entertainment world. You know, you're a star or you are, or you are nothing. You know, so I'm always trying to find it's, that middle ground. You know what I mean? Where like, can't my just my work speak for my, you know, be successful enough where I can, you know, be successful artistically, but not have to deal with the celebrity stuff. You know, and yeah. it's tough. It's 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 really it really is no middle ground there. You know. Well, you've carved a, you've carved carved an incredible path for yourself. You know, as you mentioned, being your own band leader early, then going to the E street band, then going back to a solo career. Then as an actor, it's pretty hard because you're basically using your face <laughs> to, you yeah. know, as a, yeah. as, as a piece of the equation. And I'm sure your popularity soared again for you. So it sounds like there's been this constant sort of battle of into the spotlight, out of the spotlight. And now yeah. I'm wondering if that's maybe one of the reasons your manager was helping you think about writing a book because these stories are fascinating and you can do it in, you know, relatively safely without exposing yourself. But it made me your comment about, you know, you're either famous or you're not made me go back to something you said earlier. There's the work and then there's marketing the work. And some, you know, I talk about this. This is like straight out of my brain too. So it's ha very happy to hear you talk about it. And what I talk about is called the other 50%. 50% right. and it's like basically a coin, right? A coin has two sides, 50-50. One part is doing the work and the other part is getting that work out there because if it's just the work and it's sitting in your parents' basement, it's not doing any potential work. So now here you are, you've got some management, you know, you've you've saw it firsthand with with the Bruce and, and the E Street Band, that was a, a basically a publicity powerhouse. How, you know, where have you landed now having, 
is, is there some magic alchemy of the right amount of work and the right amount of marketing that works so you can live off the work and have impact and all the things that you want? Is there a sweet spot in there uh, or is that a constant I, you know, chase? Yeah, I haven't really found it yet. Uh, you know, um, I, 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 was, I, I was really lucky to find these particular two managers who are, you know, comfortable enough and secure enough where, uh, oops, that's my dog chipping in. Here. <laughs> All good. We like, we like dogs. <laughs> I, mean, I may have to pick her up in a minute if she keeps barking here. Let's see. Okay. All good. Almost her lunchtime. Um, um, you know, uh, these, these managers are, are, are sort of secure enough and, and uh, been around enough to not, you know, uh, feel the need to, uh, you know, have some massive uh, commercial success. You know, they, they really, they seem to be, you know, uh, come here, baby. Come here. Who's this? Who's joining the show? This is Edie Sedgwick. Oh, Edie, that's a it's an amazing character in Andy Warhol's universe. Hello. Know, her, know her well. Also, the title of a cult song. A song yeah, for the band the Cult. Song. Yeah, well, I love amazing, that song. amazing song. I know, yeah, it's one of my favorites. Um, anyway, so, so you know, at, at the moment, I, I seem to have sort of hit the lottery with, with managers who don't mind me not being very successful, you know, commercially. Uh, and, uh, you know, because, they, you know, they've, they've been very successful. Um, and, and, you know, so they don't have the need, the, the need for me to be successful. And, and they seem to be here for the right reasons, which is helping me, you know, um, uh, be an artist and, and, um, and even the book is sort of an extension of my work, you know, I think, you know, mm -hmm. as, clearly, as, yes, you know what I mean? Yeah. The way you, you read it. So, you know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about. It's, it's, it's an artistic endeavor itself, you know? Um, yeah. And that's what I'm interested in doing. And, and, and uh, you know, and I can do a lot of things, you know, I, I learned on, 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 on doing Lilyhammer, you know, um, uh, I co-wrote it and, and, and produced it, co-produced it, but I also directed the final episode. And I, you know, I never really uh, thought too much about directing TV. I always thought, you know, it's kind of like a traffic cop. You know, it's different than the movies. Uh, but I enjoyed it very much. I said, you know, I could, I could, I could do this for a living. I, I really didn't. I enjoyed it that much. So you know, there's lots of diff different things I could do. Um, my problem is I, I have all these businesses that are kind of important. Um, but they don't, but they don't make any money. So, uh, I have a big overhead constantly that kind of limits what I can do for fun. You know, um, yeah. mm -hmm. you know what I mean? I can't just be an actor, uh, in, in somebody's show. Uh, I needed to, to, to be a, one of the writers and producers and do all the music. And, you know, I needed to have four or yeah. five jobs just to pay for my overhead for my, my, you know, my, my two radio formats and my record company and my two publishing companies and the, and the foundation, you know, my, my, my music history curriculum. And, and, uh, you know, I have all of these things that are important. Um, but, uh, they're kind of, uh, again, I, as I'm, as you know, I was reading and learning about you and this stood out to me as, there is the prescription. There is the perception of the prescription, which is 
you know, be rich and famous. There is the prescription, which is you have to do it this way, make a certain amount of money. And then in a way, you know, there's Stevie's way, which is I'm putting the pieces together in a way that works for me. I've found people in my life. I've put that out into the universe of what I want to do. You did that with the Sopranos. You have done that with your career from, uh, you know, as an individual artist and as a band member, as a, as you said, a leader and a soldier, as a, a musician, a TV star, uh, you know, an actor and, and now an author, like in a way you've, you've broken the mold in almost, you know, in so many conceivable fashions that that is ends up being the meta narrative is that you can you know you can have it your way you can have your cake and eat it too did that come at a price or do you feel you know do you feel you talked about feeling secure how does that make you feel rather than at me me suggesting how you feel how did that make you feel that well, now that I mean, i've said it looks like you've been able to put it together yeah, and and I, again, artistically, um, I've been very happy and and, and uh, lucky, really, um, to find people who support what I want to do. Most of the time, you know, a lot of times you're looking for you're looking for that patron of the arts to uh, to come and and help. You know, I, I could use help on my you know, the Broadway show I did, man, which was you know probably the most you know spectacular, um, most satisfying moment of my art- artistic life. Um, and, 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 and the, you know, the, the, the investors never came, you know, and that was a huge, huge disappointment. Uh, and it, it's always a disappointment, you know, because it's always, I'm always underfunded because, you know, uh, I got all these ideas, you know, and, and, and you, and I, you know, but in the end, if I get them done somehow, uh, I'm happy with them. You know, uh, what, what's the price you pay for being me is, is uh, stability. You know, I never really have had stability. I'm, I'm still looking for a steady job. Okay. You know, that's what it comes down to. Uh, you know, I've never had a steady job uh, in that sense. And um, you never know, you know, when, when the job you're doing right now is going to end. You know, I've never been complete control of of my uh my my career or, or my, any any part of my career or my career is plural i've never you know really been in control of them so you know you need you need some kind of success that i've never quite found in order to have that kind of control so you keep kind of searching for that common ground man you know uh am i going to hit it with this thing am i going to hit it with that thing you know uh i'm not big on compromise but I'm perfectly willing. I'm interested in a lot of different things. And if one of them happens to catch on, you know, I'd probably do it regularly. You know, I'm fine with that. I don't do anything that I don't love. So, you know, that, I'm not, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not worried about, oh, my God, this thing I really hated, you know, is now a success. You know, I, I don't I don't understand that stuff. You know, I, I never have done anything I've I've hated or haven't loved. So, you know, you're, you're always searching and. um and the price for me, like I say, stability, that's probably the reason why I never had kids, to be honest. Uh, I never felt uh, stable enough to, to, to give, you know, give a kid that kind of support that, you know, that, that the kids need, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I was, you know. Well, clearly, 
Clearly, yeah. you've given it to Edie. <laughs> yeah, you want to come back as my dog for sure. You know? <laughs> I mean, that's you know, but I, you know, and I and again, well, I and I even I have to thank even my wife. You know, I, I should, probably should have never even have been married. You know, uh, you know, and, and she's she's had to deal with the ups and downs. Uh, and I, you know, and I and I really uh, I can't thank thank her enough and be grateful enough to her because. Uh, you know, she married this very fun guy. You know, uh, we were the Rat Pack of rock and roll when 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 she married me, and I was Dean Martin. You know, I was the fun guy, I was the party guy. You know, I was Miami Steve, man. You know, and 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 uh, you know, you you know, I'm the first guy you want to call if you want to have a party. You know, uh, and suddenly, you know, that guy turned into this, you know, completely ridiculous uh political serious political guy you know and uh you know and 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 she and she's hung in there you know so far she's she's been <laughs> hanging in there and i you know well, and, I, and I i can't really i can't i can't be grateful enough you know i think control is largely an illusion and the you know after reading again i want to recommend to everyone who's listening and watching Unrequited Infatuations, a memoir. Uh, Stevie, thank you for sharing uh, the behind the scenes to the behind the scenes, a little bit about your process. Uh, I want to also give a shout out if you, uh, a couple of things that you mentioned. Um, one in particular, uh, Teach Rock, which is an amazing nonprofit that uh, helps, you know, provides music education and uh, there's if if you're at all interested in that, it's an it's an amazing there's uh, dozens, if not hundreds of lessons um, from legends like yourself, Mickey Hart and others uh, that not only teach music, but relate music back to pop culture, the role that it's played in shaping, shaping our culture. And in many ways is the perfect sort of nonprofit uh, angle to what you've shared with us today. So um, thank you so much for being on the show congratulations on the book and again this is shooing too much commercial success and re maintaining an, an authenticity and an openness you know those are some of the things that, that i took away from the book and i i want to say thank you for for writing it oh, thank you for your kind words and, and thank you for mentioning the uh teachrock.org uh, music history curriculum i really feel very strongly uh, that we need to integrate the arts into the education system with every discipline and every grade level and it really is going to it's going to completely transform the education process i think and we're, we're seeing we're, we're starting to see early results of that right now so thank you for mentioning that too of course happy to it's an amazing organization and again congrats on the book comes out uh the 28th of this month and we're going to drop this show right in time for people to pick that up ahead of schedule uh thank you so much again for being on the show um, your life story is f absolutely fascinating and many lessons to be learned for all of us uh, creators Thank out you. there. And again, folks, remember, Stevie didn't even call himself an artist until he was in his 30s. So no matter where you are in your journey, it's never too late. Thanks for being on the show, Stevie, and everybody out there in the world. We bid you adieu. All right, real quick. Hey, before you go, if you know anything about me or my work, you know how deeply I believe in the power of creativity. It's so core for a successful, fulfilling life. I mean, 
that life cannot be built by accident, right? That's only an accumulation of intentions and daily choices and actions and the stories we tell ourselves about what's possible with this one precious life. Well, I want you to know that I wrote a book specifically about this. And if you enjoy the show and you don't yet have the book, I think uh, I think you ought to because I think it's an incredible companion to all the work, the 10 years we put into making this show. The book is called Creative Calling. You can get it, of course, at, at Amazon or, or your local bookshop or anywhere books are sold or at creativecalling.com. Uh, but there is a creative process I outline in the book, a series of daily habits. It's very, very actionable. And again, wherever you are on your path, whether you're just starting out or you're a veteran, um, if I don't, if that book doesn't add value to your life, I mean, there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of five-star reviews on Amazon. So if that book doesn't uh, add value to your life, then you can message me personally, and I will, I will get you your 15 bucks back for the hardback edition. Uh, I just want you to know that if if you're new here or you haven't checked out the book, please do and let me know what you think. All right, thanks again, and we'll see you uh, the next episode.